Part 2 Another Kidnapping Chapter 21 Pam had been struggling against the cords that bound her wrists, but her efforts only made them cut deeper into her skin. She let her body go limp and struggled to slow her breathing. Pain shot up her legs from where her ankles were tied tightly. Her throat ached behind the gag. Where am I? Why are they keeping me here so long? What are they going to do to me? The questions wouldn't go away. As hard as she struggled to force them from her mind, they kept coming back, and with the questions came a rising panic that choked her and sent shiver after cold shiver down her body. Why did they kidnap me? What do they want with me? All at once, Pam knew the answer to those questions. They didn't want me. They wanted Riva, my millionaire cousin. Riva, Riva, Riva. The name burned more cruelly than the pain in her wrists and ankles. This is Riva's fault, Pam thought bitterly. This has to be Riva's fault. No one would want to kidnap me. They had to want Riva. Riva, Riva, Riva. Pam repeated the name until it became an ugly chant. And now will I have to die because of Riva? A tingling sensation crept up her back. It felt as if a thousand tiny insects were crawling all over her. Pam tried to swallow, but her throat was too dry. If they don't loosen this gag, I'm going to choke to death, she thought. For the thousandth time, she rubbed her head against the pillow, trying to slide the blindfold off but it wouldn't budge. Riva, Riva, Riva. They wanted Riva, but they got me. Pam could hear the two of them fighting about it in the next room. There was a girl and a guy. She knew that much. She hadn't been able to catch their names. They had been very careful about not saying their names. The girl sounded young, Pam thought. A teenager, maybe. The guy? She couldn't tell. He was loud and vulgar, and he always sounded angry. He sounded very angry now. They were moving around noisily in the other room, pacing back and forth. Pam struggled to hear their conversation. It's not my fault, the girl was shrieking. Not my fault, not my fault. The guy nastily imitated her voice. Then whose fault is it, honey bunch? You and Press went to the store. You went right up to her, didn't you? The man demanded. Please, no names, the girl protested. She can hear us. You know how thin the walls are. So tell me how it happened, the man insisted, ignoring her complaint. How did we get the wrong girl? How could you not know? I never saw her face, the girl screamed shrilly. I was down on the floor, pretending to search for my contact, remember? I never saw her. She was wearing some kind of big floppy hat. The man let out a snarl of rage. Then Pam heard a crash. The girl screamed. Had he thrown a lamp or something at her? The neighbors. The neighbors, she was screaming now, her voice high with fright. Maybe they'll let me go, Pam thought. She felt a sharp stab of pain at her ankles. The cords were too tight, too tight. Her feet were tingling, numb. Now that they know they have the wrong girl, maybe they'll let me go. She held her breath, listening hard. It was quiet in the other room now. I'm sick, the man whined. I'm really sick. All this work. All this tension. It's a stupid mix-up, the girl replied. If your stupid brother had been with us. I'm sick, the man repeated. My headache is coming back. I can feel it. How do you think I feel, the girl cried emotionally. This was supposed to be a great Christmas. It was supposed to be like in the movies, but now... Now what? Pam wondered. What? Now what are you going to do? Let me go home? Please. Oh, please let me go home. Pam heard footsteps in the next room, the floor creaking. Let's go see who she is, the man was saying. Maybe we've got someone good in there, you know, another rich girl. No, you don't, Pam thought miserably. You don't have a rich girl. You've got Riva Dalby's poor cousin. Her heart jumped as she heard the door open. She heard footsteps approaching the bed. A stab of pain shot out from her cut wrists. The tingling crept up her back. They're in the room. They're looking at me. 
What are they going to do to me? She tried to make a sound, but her throat was too dry, the gag too tight. Suddenly, she felt the pressure of hands on her face. The gag was untied and pulled off. Who are you? The man called down to her. What's your name? She opened her mouth, but realized she couldn't make a sound. Water, she managed to whisper. Water, please? What's your name? He insisted impatiently. Get her a glass of water, the girl urged. Please, Pam pleaded. A few moments later, she felt a hand push her head up from the back. Then she felt the rim of a glass pushed up to her parched lips. The water was lukewarm. She choked on it at first, then managed to get a few swallows. It felt good on her throat. She drank thirstily. Water ran down her chin. She wanted more, but the glass was taken away. Her head fell back onto the pillow. Pain rolled up her legs, tingling pain. Please, untie me. It hurts, she choked out. No way, the man growled. Your name. What are you going to do to me? Pam cried shrilly. Your name. Are you going to hurt me? What are you going to do? Don't hit her, the girl suddenly cried. Pam let out a frightened cry. She sucked in her breath, expecting to be struck. But the girl spoke instead, close to Pam's ear. We're not going to hurt you if you cooperate, she said softly. We need to know your name. Pam, Pam told her softly. Pam Dalby, there is no point in lying. Dalby, the man cried, sounding surprised. You're a Dalby? I don't believe this, the girl exclaimed. Untie me, Pam pleaded, feeling about to cry. My legs, they're numb. Everything hurts. Tough break, the man replied nastily. Are you Reva Dalby's sister? Reva, Reva, Reva. Pam shook her head. She felt two hot tears run down her cheeks. You're not her sister, the man demanded suspiciously. No, Pam stammered. I'm her cousin. There was a heavy silence. Then Pam heard the man say, Bingo. Reva Dalby's cousin. Maybe our luck is changing. Let me go, Pam cried, feeling more hot tears trickle down her cheeks. Please, you've got to let me go. They ignored her. Don't you think Dobby would pay big to get his niece back? The man was asking the girl. No, Pam blurted out. He won't pay for me. Our families aren't close. I know him. He won't pay. Please, just let me go. She began to sob loudly. Over her sobs, Pam could hear the two of them discussing her, talking excitedly in loud whispers. I wish your brother were here. He'd know what to do, the girl said tensely. Is she lying? The man demanded. I don't think so, the girl replied. I think she's telling the truth. I don't think we can get a dime for her. There is a long silence. Then Pam heard the words she'd been dying to hear. Maybe we should just let her go, the girl said. Huh? Let her go? The man reacted with angry disbelief. No way. Uh-uh. No way. We can't let her go. We have no choice. We have to kill her. Chapter 22 Reva clicked her long nails against the smooth desktop holding the cordless phone between her chin and shoulder. She glanced across her bedroom to the clock radio beside her bed. 9.43 at night. I feel so guilty, Victor was saying at the end of the other line. I just feel so horribly guilty. Why should you feel guilty, Reva demanded, sounding more irritated than sympathetic. You didn't kidnap Pam. But I, Victor hesitated. I was with you, Reva, when... I could have been kidnapped, Reva interrupted. She tugged down the sleeves of her pale blue cashmere sweater. Can you imagine? It was supposed to be me. If I hadn't convinced Pan to take my shift in the stockroom, it would have been me. What a thought. I get chills every time I think about it. Can't you think about Pam for once? Victor replied sharply. Of course. I feel terrible for her, Reva said unconvincingly. She raised the back of her hand and studied her nails. 
Have you heard from the kidnappers? Did they call again? Victor asked. Not since yesterday, Reaver replied. The FBI hasn't a clue as to who it is. Not a clue. How about your father? Victor asked. Does he have any ideas? Did he recognize the girl's voice? I don't think so. Does he have money ready to pay the kidnappers? Victor asked. No way, Reaver replied. Huh? Victor uttered a surprised gasp. Daddy won't pay. He doesn't believe in paying kidnappers. He says it only encourages other kidnappers. He won't pay to get his own niece back, Victor cried. Daddy has very strict principles, Reva said flatly. He isn't here. He had an emergency and had to fly to his store in Walnut Creek. He won't be back till tomorrow. You're all alone there, Victor's voice was high with his surprise. My dad made sure the police sent a patrol car around every half hour to check on me, Reva told him. Reva liked it better when Victor worried about her, instead of moaning about how guilty he felt and how worried he was about Pam. She felt bad about Pam. Pam was her only cousin, after all. But Reva was certain the kidnappers would let Pam go as soon as they realized they wouldn't get a penny for her. I, I am kind of frightened, Victor, she said, putting on her little girl voice. I mean, the kidnappers were after me after all. I start shaking every time I think how close I came to being kidnapped. What a nightmare, Victor said earnestly. She could just picture the serious, concerned look in his dark eyes. Victor is so good-looking, Reva thought with a sigh, but he's basically a dim bulb, a very low wattage in the brain area. What a shame, she thought, flipping through a copy of Sassy as she talked with him. I never dreamed I'd grow tired of him so quickly. Would you like me to come over, Victor asked. Would you feel safer? Reva laughed. Who would you protect me from? Victor didn't laugh. No, really, he insisted. I could be there in ten minutes. I'll be okay, Reva told him. Hey, I forgot to tell you about my dream. It was so weird, so scary. You dreamed about Pam, Victor guessed. No, well, sort of, Pam replied, closing the magazine. She shifted the cordless phone to her other shoulder. It woke me up last night. It was very disturbing. I was shopping, in the dream, I mean. In some kind of big department store, Reva continued. Maybe it was my dad's store. I don't know. I really didn't recognize it. When the dream started, the store was very crowded, very bright and noisy. I was walking from aisle to aisle, pushing through the crowds. It was very unpleasant. I remember I didn't like it at all, but I just kept walking. The store seemed endless, aisle after aisle, Reva continued. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't find a door. Then, suddenly, it grew very quiet. Silent, I looked around. The store was empty, no one there, except me, me and someone else. I heard footsteps behind me, and I knew someone was chasing me. You know how you just know things in dreams? Yeah, sure, Victor replied. Scary. Wait, it gets worse, Reva promised. I started to run. I was searching for an exit, any exit. But there was only aisle after aisle. I was terrified. I ran ran through the aisles, but he was right behind me, getting closer, closer. The only sounds were his footsteps and my panting breaths. I ran and ran. It seems like I ran forever. And then he grabbed me, Rebus said. Who? Victor demanded breathlessly. He had me by the shoulders, she continued. He wanted to drag me away to kidnap me. I knew he wanted to kidnap me, but I fought and spun away. I turned around to see who it was. And it was Santa Claus. Huh? Reva laughed. It was Santa Claus. Do you believe it? Ho, ho, ho. Weird, Victor exclaimed. Then what happened? I woke up, Reva told him. Victor didn't say anything for a long while. 
Reva could almost hear his brain whirring. I guess you were really worried about Pam, he offered finally. Yeah, I guess, Reva said, yawning. I can never figure out what my dreams mean. I only knew I was afraid. You sure you don't want me to come over, he asked. Before Reva could answer, she heard a loud noise outside. She recognized the sound immediately, a car door slamming. Victor, I've got to get off. Someone's here, she told him. She jumped up and carried the phone to her bedroom window. Pushing back the curtains, she peered into the driveway. She heard the squeal of tires. A car roared away, but she couldn't say it. What was that thing at the bottom of the driveway? Was it a large sack? A garbage bag? She squinted hard, trying to see. Who is it? Victor was asking. I don't know. I'll call you later. She turned off the phone and tossed it onto her bed. Then she hurried down the carpeted stairs, taking them two at a time. Opening the coat closet, she grabbed the down jacket. She pulled it over her shoulders as she opened the front door, leapt outside, and began running to the bottom of the driveway. It was a clear, cold night. Her breath steamed up in front of her as she ran. Newly installed spotlights in the trees cast white cones of light over the front lawn. Reva gasped as she neared the street. Lying in the driveway, sprawled on her back, a body, a girl's body. Pam! Panting loudly, Reva dropped to her knees beside her cousin. Oh no, she moaned. They killed her! Chapter 23 Pam's eyes were closed. Her hair fell in a tangled disarray beneath her head. Her skin was gray under the pale wash of light from the lights overhead in the trees. They killed her, Reva murmured. She swallowed hard. Her throat suddenly felt dry. A chill ran down her back. Glancing up, she saw a low, dark form racing across the frozen grass toward her. She jumped to her feet, then realized it was only King, her guard dog. The big dog lowered his head and let out a soft, whimpering sound. It's okay, King, Reva said, her voice tiny and frightened. It's okay, fella. Get lost. Get lost, King. The dog stared at her for a moment, its eyes red in the eerie light. Then it sat on its haunches at the edge of the driveway. Reva heard a low groan. She lowered her eyes to the driveway. Pam blinked. Once. Twice. She groaned again. Her eyes opened. She stared up blankly at Reva. Pam! Reva cried. She dropped back down beside her cousin. Pam! You're alive! Pam struggled to raise her head, but the effort proved to be too much for her. Wincing in pain, she closed her eyes and lowered her head back to the driveway. You're alive! Reva repeated. She cradled Pam's head in her hands. She stroked Pam's damp, tangled hair. I'm not so sure, Pam groaned. We've got to get you inside, Reva said, shivering. Do you think you can stand up? Let's give it a try, Pam replied shakily. I I've been tied up. My legs, they were completely numb. Reva helped pull Pam slowly to her feet. Then, allowing Pam to lean on her, Reva slipped an arm around her cousin's waist and guided her up the driveway to the house. They, they knocked me out. I was just coming to when they heaved me out of the car, Pam said as Reva lowered her onto the dark leather couch in the den. I hit my head on the pavement. I guess I blacked out again. Lie down on the pillows, Reva instructed Pam, moving a soft satiny pillow behind Pam's head. That's it. I'll get you a glass of water. Thanks, Pam said, shutting her eyes. Uh, I'm still a little dazed, I think. I'm very shaky. You know, everything's trembling. My heart is racing. I'll call Dr. Sims, Reva said, heading toward the kitchen. And your parents, they'll be so happy. And then she added, I'll call the FBI too. I have their number right by the phone. And the Shadyside police. Reva hurried to the kitchen. She filled a glass with cold water from the dispenser in the refrigerator door. 
As she started to return to the den, she cried out, startled to find Pam right behind her. Hey, you scared me! Sorry, Pam murmured, lowering her green eyes. You should lie down, Pam. I don't want to be alone, Pam said fretfully. I'm so shaky. I'll just sit down at the counter. She pulled out a wooden kitchen stool and climbed onto it. What happened? Reva asked, watching Pam gulp the water. How did you get away? They had a big fight over what to do with me, Pam replied, working nervously at the tangles in her hair with one hand. There were two of them. Yeah? Did you get a good look at them? Reva asked, leaning her hands on the white counter. No. Pam shook her head solemnly. They had me blindfolded the whole time. I only heard their voices. Did you hear their names? Reva asked eagerly. Pam shook her head again. No, they were careful. Did they beat you up or anything? Reva asked, her face tightening with concern as she studied Pam carefully. It was horrible, Pam cried in a trembling voice. I was so scared, Reva. They threw a coat over me and hit me hard on the head in the stockroom. When I woke up, I was in a bed somewhere, all tied up, blindfolded and gagged. I, I thought they were going to kill me. I really did. Take it easy, Pam, Reva said softly. Pam let out a sob, her skin pale in the kitchen light. The man, he really wanted to kill me. He was very hot-headed, angry all the time, really out of control. The girl sounded too frightened to kill me. She just wanted to get rid of me. They argued and argued. Finally, they decided to dump me on your driveway and leave town as fast as possible. Pam continued. They left town? Reva's expression was one of surprise, mixed with relief. Yeah, they're gone, Pam said. I heard them say they had a friend in Canada. They were going to go up there and lay low for a while. Pam smiled for the first time. I'm so glad. I'm so glad they're gone, Reva. Her shoulders shook. She lowered her head into her hands and started to cry. Reva hurried over and put a calming hand on her cousin's trembling shoulder. You're okay now, Pam, she whispered. You're okay. They're gone, and you're okay. Pam was still crying softly when Reva heard the footsteps. Heavy footsteps in the front hall. Oh no, Reva thought, raising a hand to her mouth. I left the front door wide open. The footsteps grew louder. Pam heard them too. She jerked her head up, her eyes wild with fear. They came back, she cried in a choked whisper. Chapter 24 both girls froze, their eyes locked on each other as they listened. The footsteps were in the back hall now. Pam uttered a low gasp, her shoulders still trembling. Reva pulled a copper frying pan off its hook on the wall. Gripping the handle tightly, she held it high, preparing to use it as a weapon. The footsteps drew closer, closer. From the hallway, Reva heard heavy breathing. Who, who's there? She managed to stammer. A few seconds later, Victor appeared in the kitchen doorway. At first, she saw only Reva. Gesturing to the hall, his eyes narrowed in confusion. The front door. It was wide open, he said. I was worried. Victor, Pam cried. She dropped down from the stool. Pam, I don't believe it. You're, you're okay. Victor's handsome face showed surprise, then happiness. He ran across the room and wrapped his arms around Pam, and they hugged. A happy ending for all, Reva thought, watching them. Pam is so innocent. She doesn't even wonder why Victor came over here. This works out fine, Reva thought. A pleased smile crossing her face as she watched Pam and Victor hold each other. This saves me the trouble of dumping Victor. Hey, break it up, you two, Reva cried. We've got to call Pam's parents. On Saturday afternoon, Reva got a postcard from St. Croix from her brother Michael. On the front was a white beach shaded by palm trees. On the back, Michael had printed, We took a boat and went snorkeling at Buck Island. Then Josh and I rode the waves into the beach for two hours. My bathing suit got filled with sand. 
I miss you. Not. Reva stared at the palm trees. It looks like a nice beach. She imagined the sound of the soft waves rolling onto the sand. She pictured the turquoise water. She could almost smell the coconut suntan lotion. That little creep Michael has all the luck, Reva cried bitterly. She glanced out the living room window. The sky was nearly as dark as night. A freezing rain was being blown in all directions by a howling, swirling wind. Reva sighed. It's the Saturday before Christmas, she thought wistfully. I have no choice. I have to go out and buy presents. Pulling on her hooded poncho, she made her way to the garage. Then she drove her red Miata to the Division Street Mall. The storm hadn't kept the shoppers at home. Reva had to circle the underground parking garage three times before she found a place to park. She pushed her way impatiently through the crowded stores. The smell of wet wool filled the air. Babies were crying. People juggled bulging shopping bags and umbrellas. Everyone looked so rain-soaked and bedraggled, she thought. Bouncy Christmas music jangled from loudspeakers in every store. Reva wandered into a long, narrow shop called the Cozy Corner. It had an entire wall of earrings, mostly plastic and glass. Reva knew she would never shop in a store like this for herself, but when it came to buying presents for others, she never liked to spend a lot of money. She stared at the wall of earrings. These earrings are all so tacky, Reva thought, examining a pair shaped like little Hershey bars, but they're perfect for Pam. She saw a plastic earring shaped like food. She picked up a pair of peanut butter sandwich earrings, then quickly replaced them. Moving sideways, she made her way down the long display. A pair of plastic banana earrings caught her eye. No, she thought, those are too gross, even for Pam. Reva was nearly to the end of the display wall when she noticed a dark-haired man in a black trench coat. He was standing a few yards away, leaning against a low display case filled with silver and plastic bracelets. His round, blue-lens sunglasses caught the light. Hands shoved in his trench coat pockets. He had been staring at Reva, but he glanced away immediately when she stared back at him. His straight black hair fell over his forehead. He was good-looking, Reva thought maybe a little like Elvis Presley. She wondered what his eyes were like behind the blue shades. He doesn't seem to be shopping, Reva observed. Maybe he's waiting for someone. She bought a pair of long, dangly glass earrings, paying for them with her American Express card. Then she made her way out to the center court to look for a menswear store. A nice boring tie for Dad, she thought, ducking out of the way of a swinging umbrella. Poor Dad. He spends a fortune for his clothes, but everything he buys is so dull and conservative. A few moments later, she was sifting through a table of ties at Brooks Brothers. Gazing up, she was surprised to see the guy in the blue sunglasses again. He stood outside the store, staring in at her through the window. Why is he looking at me like that? Reva wondered. And then she had a chilling thought. Is he following me? No. No way. She scolded herself for being so jumpy. You're still a little freaked because of Pam, she told herself. But you've got to cool it, Reva. Just because you see the same guy twice doesn't mean he's following you. And just because he's staring into a store window doesn't mean he's staring at you. As she handed a blue and black striped tie and her American Express card to the clerk at the cash register, she glanced warily to the window. The young man was gone. See, she thought, feeling foolish, you scared yourself for no reason. But a few minutes later, as she was examining blouses at Silk Casuals, she saw him again. He stood a few aisles away, hands in his trench coat pockets, head lowered, black hair falling over the front of his blue glasses. He is staring at me, Reva realized. I'm not imagining it. He followed her to CD World. Walking fast, bumping people out of her way, she tried to lose him in the crowd at the food court. But glancing back, she saw him steadily making his way toward her, keeping his distance, his dark glasses trained on her. As she hurried down to the parking garage, 
Riva realized she was trembling all over. Who is he? One of the kidnappers? She wondered. Did they tell Pam they were going to Canada just to throw everyone off to make us lower our guard? She kept glancing nervously behind her, her boots clicking loudly on the hard concrete floor as she started to run through the rows of parked cars. Did they lie to Pam? Are they following me now? Are they planning to grab me next? Chapter 25 Riva tapped her long purple fingernails on the glass perfume counter. She raised her eyes to a woman who had been trying to get her attention for nearly five minutes. Look at the nose on this woman, Riva thought scornfully. You could hang a coat on it. Haven't you ever heard of plastic surgery, lady? Can you recommend a fragrance? The woman asked, smiling anxiously at Riva. Something different. My husband is tired of my old fragrance. Then maybe you should take a bath, Riva thought. She almost burst out laughing. I really cracked myself up, she told herself. Try this one. It's brand new, Riva said, picking up a small sample spray bottle. Hold up your wrist. Or should I just spray it on your nose? She sprayed a mist of cologne on a woman's wrist. The woman sniffed it, tilting her head in concentration. Don't sniff too hard, Riva thought. You could inhale your entire arm. It's very flowery, the woman said. She sniffed again. I like it. She lowered her wrist, smiling at Riva. What's it called? It's called Eau de Skunk, Riva thought. It's called Black Rose, she said, gazing beyond the woman. She saw Pam making her way through the crowded aisle. Well, could you tell me the price? The woman asked, sniffing her wrist again. Not right now, Riva said, her eyes on Pam. She pointed to Francine, who was handling three other customers at the far end of the counter. She'll help you. I've got to run. But, but, miss? As the woman sputtered her protest, Riva hurried away to meet Pam. Hey, Pam, you're back at work? Pam nodded, smiling at Riva. She wore a short black dress over dark green tights. Her blonde hair was tied back behind her head in a ponytail. I can't believe you came back so soon, Riva exclaimed. Why didn't you take a few more days to rest and get your head together? I couldn't, Pam replied, lowering her case. I really need the money. Don't they have kidnapping pay or something? Riva demanded. That was a thoughtless thing to say, she thought. Pam has been through a really terrifying time, and here I am making dumb jokes about it. Talk to Uncle Robert about that, Pam replied dryly. She cleared her throat. I wondered if you'd like to come over tonight, to my house. Huh? The invitation took Riva by surprise. We're trimming the tree tonight. I thought maybe you'd like to come help. Well, is Victor coming? Riva asked. Pam shook her head, the ponytail wagging behind her. He can't make it. He has to go somewhere with his parents. Well, yeah, Riva said. I'll come. It'll be fun. I feel guilty, I guess, Riva realized. That's why I'm agreeing to go over to Pam's and be bored out of my mind. We'll have popcorn and eggnog and a fire and everything, Pam gushed, squeezing Riva's hand. It'll be like an old-fashioned Christmas. Great, Riva replied, trying to imitate her cousin's enthusiasm. Great, Pam. A little after 7.30 that evening, Riva pulled her car onto Fear Street and headed toward Pam's house. The rain had finally stopped that afternoon, but the road was still wet and slick. The old trees that bent over the street on both sides glistened in the pale street lights. As she drove past the burned-out Simon Fear Mansion, which overlooks the Fear Street Cemetery, Riva shook her head scornfully. How can Pam live on such a creepy, run-down street, she wondered. Surely Uncle Bill could find a better house, even on his pitiful salary. Pam's rambling old house came into view. To Riva's surprise, the porch light wasn't on. Probably broken, she thought, like everything else in Pam's house. She pulled the Miata up the gravel driveway, 
stopping at the cracked and rutted flagstone walk that led to the front stoop. She grabbed a shopping bag on the passenger seat. It contained the presents she had bought for Pam and her parents. As Reva climbed out of the car, Pam appeared on the front porch. Right on time! Hi! Pam called cheerily, waving as Reva started to make her way along the front walk. Hey, you weren't supposed to bring presents tonight. Just a few things to put under your tree, Reva called. She slipped, turning her ankle on a crack in the walk. Ow! Be careful, the flagstones were all loose, Pam said, stepping down. Out of the corner of her eye, Reva saw something move from around the side of the house, a darting shadow. She heard a scraping sound, hard breathing. Before she could turn to see what it was, a gloved hand clamped hard over her mouth. The shopping bag dropped from Reva's hand. Something heavy was pulled over her head, something wool and scratchy. A blanket? Hey, I can't see, she cried, her voice muffled under the weight of the blanket. An arm swept around her waist, grabbing her tightly. Stop, she heard Pam shriek. Hey, help, help! With a choked gasp, Pam's cries were cut off. Reva thrashed her elbows back hard. Ow! Her attacker cried out as an elbow made contact. My mouth! Reva felt his arm slip away. This is my chance, she thought, gripped with panic. She tried to squirm out from under the blanket, but her attacker recovered quickly. He wrapped his arm tightly over the blanket, around her throat, tightening, tightening, choking off her air. Then a hard shove from behind sent her sprawling forward. You'll pay, he whispered coldly. You'll pay. Another hard shove. She realized she was being pushed down the driveway. This isn't happening, Reva thought, overcome with terror. This isn't happening. Help, Pam, help, she cried. Reva struggled and pulled up a corner of the heavy blanket. She got a quick glimpse of Pam. Pam had been taken too. But before the blanket was jammed back over her head, Reva got a quick glimpse of the car they were being dragged toward, a beat-up old Plymouth.